On this episode of AV Week, tons of sales and purchases. We talk about VC inside AV. Harmon is moving some manufacturing jobs from Elkhart to Southern California. And what is the value of the Apex certification? All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is brought to you by a fine group of underwriters, companies like Draper, Inc. This is AV Week, episode 254, recorded Friday, July 8th, 2016. Sorry, I'm late. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you are listening to this fine podcast. If you're watching it live, good afternoon on a wonderful Friday afternoon. With me this week is my buddy, pal, and brother from another mother. His name is Harry Mead. How are you, sir? Unemployed. <laughs> that, that's not a Steve. Yes. If you are watching the, if you're watching the video, Harry has a very well done cardboard sign that says, Will Engineer AV for Food. Harry, is it Harry.l.mead? That yep. dots Harry dot L dot Mead at gmail dot com. Gmail is a cruel mistress and doesn't allow you to actually have your name if someone else took it. And there's some schmuck who rides horses in London that has my name. Well, you know, it 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 it's you know, it's what happens when you have a common Scottish name. So, um, uh, I have I don't even know what my name is. Freaking you know, Albert is something weird. Uh, Germanic is what I've been told. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I like it. Yeah, so uh, we actually um, it, normally I have four or five people scheduled on a, on a weekly basis. All all four of those jumped off, uh, except for Harry. You know, so thank you, Harry, for for staying on. So um, we're gonna get to this. It's not uh, like I was busy. <laughs> you know what? Stop it! All right, so <laughs> let's crank this first one out. Um, this one was interesting. So uh, this is one I had heard about a couple of days ago, uh, and then on my Facebook feed, just as we were getting ready to start, somebody from another manufacturer actually pointed, posted, posted this, which, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, um, competition is what competition is. Harman, uh, quote, unquote, this is from the Elkhart Truth. Harman, an audio manufacturer, uh, audio equipment manufacturer, laying off over 100 employees in Elkhart, Indiana. Uh, so if you're not familiar, Harman has a facility in Elkhart. Primarily, they do Crown Audio uh, products there. Uh, they're laying off 100 people at the end of t- 2017. It's not immediate. Um, the uh, folks at Harman said that this is going to uh, affect primarily the production and warehouse employees. They're moving the, uh, the the operations, in other words, what these people are physically doing on a day-in and day-out basis. They're moving the um, their jobs to uh, Moreno Valley, California, and as well as, as Tijuana, Mexico. Um, they are keeping a lot of the advertising and the uh, marketing and, and, and the other folks that are still going to be there in Elkhart, again, primarily dealing with, with Crown Audio. They do have some other um, folks who are kind of overarching Harmon employees there in Elkhart. So 
Uh, Harry, first question for you uh, on this is, what does this mean um, for Harman as a company? Generally, it means Harman's a big company that bought a bunch of people, and now they've got duplications. Uh, okay. So, <clears throat> so if you've got duplicated effort in a big company, I mean, it is what it is, but you need to be able to uh, to take care of those duplications and not have them. Otherwise, you're just bleeding money for no reason. So if they've got a if they've got their manufacturing in California and Mexico that has excess capacity and it has enough capacity to pick up the crown line, then why wouldn't you? I mean, there is the human element of, oh, but the people are going to lose their job. But from a business side, why wouldn't you consolidate manufacturing into plants that are already going or maybe may already be in a better situation than than the crown plant? What's, inter- what's interesting is um, we have full disclosure. One of our, our, our good friends and pals and is he's on the board of, of Aviation. Um, his name is Bradford Ben. He works for Harmon. Um, this doesn't come from him. This has nothing to do with him, but but just for for transparency's sake. Um, so that's actually where 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 Bradford is is based out of. Bradford doesn't have anything to do with the. Bradford is not on the on the manufacturing line. I shouldn't say he doesn't have anything to do with it. He does. Um, one thing that's been interesting to me though over the last few years is looking at Harmon as a company. They purchased Crown. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Fifteen or sixteen years ago, right? They kept those manufacturing facilities there for for this many years, even though they have a very large uh, presence in Southern California, even though they have uh, large presences uh, in Utah as well. Crown stayed put, right, Uh, from the time Harmon bought them until, obviously, until now. So it'll be interesting kind of seeing how that dynamic and and the the concentration of Harmon employees, whether that's Salt Lake, California, California. Elkhart or, or um, the other facilities. I think they have one in, in Philadelphia. Uh, they've got a presence down in in, in yeah, mid Florida. I almost said northeast Florida, but but you know Orlando ish area as well. Um, and then you've got the other companies that they've purchased over the years that are technically Harmon offices now. AMX is one, right? So that's Richardson, Texas. That's uh, Chicago. That's um, Southern California as well. Whether or not those will start being consolidated together, I guess is the best way to put that. Well, I mean, and the the other side of the coin is a continuation on the theme that I was touching on during the mashup at the end of Infocom. Mm. Everyone is singing the Everything is Awesome song, but they may not be feeling the Everything is Awesome song. So they, different people, I mean, different divisions in, in Harmon may not be doing everything that they need to be doing right now. So this may be something that has to happen that while Harmon was smaller and didn't have these other divisions, they could let crown for this, uh, for sake of, of this, uh, go and, and be not as productive. But now if everything is not quite as awesome as it may be, as it may be seeming, you need to, they, they need to do a little bit of belt tightening and, inefficiencies are going to be the first thing to go. Here's the other thing that 
Harman has that is it's not unique to the AV industry, but they're one of the biggest companies that is like this. And that's the fact that they're a publicly held company, right? You can go out and you can buy Harman stock. I own none, but you can go out and purchase Harman stock. You can't purchase Extron stock. You can't purchase Crestron stock, right? Um, so they have, I, I, you know, it's it's a different set of expectations. It's a different set of people that they have to appease. Those are the stockholders, right? These are the people that are holding the pieces of paper that says, I own parts of this company. I expect a return at the end of the year. Crestron, let's let just pick on them for a second, I mean, and Extron as well. Uh, these are two companies that were founded and ran by innovative cowboys, right? I mean, George Feldstein had a freaking, um, you know, had, had a built a, 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 a an FCC cage <laughs> in, in Rockley, New Jersey, for crying out loud, because he wanted to. Now, they use it for, for the facilities, but he freaking wanted one, right? It's the only reason he had one, um, because he was yeah. a geek. He was an engineer at heart. He didn't have to make a, a business case for that, necessarily. I'm sure he, he probably did. But, you know, he didn't have to do that with, with a publicly held company. There are certain things you have to do, right? There are there's documents you have to sign. There's um, uh, releases you have to make. And there's also, at the end of the year, you've got to make money for your stockholders. Speaking of stockholders and uh, and stock options and things of that nature. So about, what was it, two months ago now, Harry? Um, uh, Polycom announced that, hey, they're, they're going to be bought by a company called Mitel. Uh, except this morning they announced that they weren't. <laughs> so, See ya. because the board of directors said, um, yeah, another company called Cirrus came along and offered us $0.04 billion more. Um, so, so $1.96 billion is what Mitel offered. Cirrus came along and offered a flat $2 billion. I don't know if it was the fact that the board of directors said, you know what, we need that 400000 Absolutely, we have to have it. Um, or if it was just... 40 million. Huh? 40 million. I'm sorry. 40 million. Yeah, I'm sorry. What did I say? 400000 400 million. 40, Thank you. It's 40 million. 40 million. 40 million. Um, you know, regardless, Polycom is now suddenly going to be a part of the Cirrus company. Does this change anything when it comes to, to Polycom as a company and, and how we use them? Um, I don't know. Wait to see. Uh, I'm not. I was. I, I can. I can see your 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 thing that you sprung on me here. So, but um, the uh, <clears throat> I don't know enough about Cirrus to know what they're what they're trying to get into with the uh, with buying of Polycom. Um. The uh, I mean, you, again, this kind of comes down to a shareholder thing. It depends on the the, uh, the article there listed as uh, it came out to twelve fifty a share uh, for this article or for this uh, offer. I'm not sure what that share price was for the other. And when you start looking at it as as a share price, okay, that a, a dollar difference is a ten percent. Yeah, okay. Ten uh, percent increase in return on on a share price. Next up is um, a company called um, CompView. CompView has qualified as an Infocom International AV Provider of Excellence in APEC. Um, the Infocom APEX program is a marketing recognition program for integration companies and AV design consulting firms dedicated to upholding industry excellence by providing quality 
service to customers, end quote. That is not necessarily to talk about CompView, although congratulations to them. It's very happy. I'm very happy for them. First, the, the, the question is really to kind of start a conversation with you, Harry. You've worked for a couple of companies that were Apex partners or Apex uh, uh, recognized. After about a year or so of, of this program, where are we at with it? I mean, is it is it you know is it is it valuable uh, to be an Apex uh, recognized um, provider? Well, my former employer just just dropped their Apex. Okay. They much too we argued against it, but they decided that they they didn't see the value in it. Now, granted, two weeks later, there's a bid that says you have to be an Apex company. And it's like, well, that's kind of the groundwork that we were doing, was making sure that the bids said you have to be an Apex company so that we could actually get bids. <clears throat> and we wouldn't be bidding against every Tom, Dick, and Harry. <laughs> and uh, so I think it's going to become another... Certi certification that that consultants and we'll see when the consultant weighs in. Um, the uh, we'll we'll see see from that, but I think it's going to be another certification that consultants are uh, are going to be putting on their specs just to weed out the trunk slammers. And so, why yes, uh, well yes. Great, you got Apex. I I know what we went through to get Apex, and it's not it's not hard if you apply yourself. Okay. It's not hard if you're actually doing things correctly to get Apex certification. You have to want to do it because there are things that you have to do that aren't your normal business. But um, but for for, for value, I mean, it's another thing that uh, that our friend Trago has talked about before is the value of these certifications and what actually follows up. Now with Apex you actually do have to do follow-ups. And um, unlike with CTSs per se, CTS you just have to show up to enough classes throughout the throughout your three years or how five years or however long it is. And get your credits for sitting for having a butt in a class, and then you get your CTS renewed. There's no checking up on okay, does the CTSD actually know what the hell he's talking about? Does he actually design systems? Does he have any work that actually you can see? There's none of that. With Apex, there is though. Well, let's let's bring Josh in. <laughs> let's bring Josh in on that for two reasons. First of all, he is a consultant. So, Josh, first question for you. And, and we are now joined by by Josh Schreko from TCOM. Also happens to be the editor in chief of Aviation and corrects my spelling on a regular basis. Prepositions uh, are worse. Prepositions are the worst. Um, first question: Is Apex valuable from a consultant standpoint? And then the second question, to Harry's point, is it something that we might want to look at for the CTS certifications overarching? Um, not for nothing, but you happen to be on the CTS steering committee. So. Oh, dear God, this is a can of worms, and I love it. Thank you for opening that. Uh, shall we Shall we dive into Pandora's box here? Yeah, it's up to you. Um, I'll leave hope in, I hope. Anyway, uh, 
to a certain extent, yes. The as a consultant and looking at an Apex certification, it does provide a qualifying value. Um, if it's another requirement, in the same way that I will require somebody who's doing Crestron programming to have Crestron Gold, Crestron Platinum, depending on the complexity of the project. Apex certification puts me in a position where I can say, your company has to demonstrate a long-term value to their customers and proving that value to their customers because the, the Apex requires that there's feedback for directly from the customers. At the same time, it does not preclude me from saying, I want references and I want to be able to call references. So it's kind of this whole thing of who are going to who are you going to get references from? You're going to get references from the same people that provided a reference to get your Apex certification. Am I going to call those people and get the same response that they gave? Mm, possibly. Uh, you may have had a specific person at that at that organization that provided you such a glowing reference that allowed you to pass through that, as well as getting the qualifiers of the technical requirements and all the other requirements that go with Apex. Because it's not just the customer is happy with you. It's it's also a statement that you agree to abide by standards as they are written okay, time for info. Okay, time out for that. But we do that with, with the CT with the CTS. There's a there's a um, an agreement that we did we agree to to hold a certain level of professionalism, correct? A level of professionalism versus a written document that says I can hold you accountable for not abiding by screen uh, okay. size. That I can hey, hold hey. you because that's what Apex right, is. I can have your APEX, theoretically, theoretically, and again, I'd have to go diving and or asking around the Infocom annals, which I'm sure they would love. Um, I, theoretically, because the APEX certification says that you will abide by these standards by carrying it, if you execute a project that does not meet standards, written standards that all the wonderful steering committee, all of the wonderful standards committees and, and standard writing groups do – if you don't abide by those and you cannot justify a reason based on uh, site conditions or based on uh, customer requests, theoretically, I have the ability to go back and say, this is a problem. You didn't meet your APEX certification. Therefore, we have an issue and you have to abide by that and I can file, theoretically, a complaint. Theoretically, that's where it would put me in a position to, uh, of having that added qualifier. Now, will I stop? Will I use companies that are not Apex? Of course, I'll use companies that are not Apex because there are a lot of great companies out there that don't have Apex. Uh, Apex does, you know, it's it's again, it's it's an instantaneous qualifier for your company saying we know how to do this and we have an industry organization that is saying that we are capable of doing this. Not everybody is going to sign up for that. It's it's just a fact. Not everybody has a CTS that works in this industry. Not everybody has an RCDD. Not every project manager has a PMP. It's just a statement of fact. Not everybody does these things. Some people have been doing this longer than those certifications ever existed. So at some point, you know, there is their value in it as a quick cursory glance. Sure. Is it going to stop me from uh, calling their, their references? God, no. My due diligence is to make sure that my customer is protected. And I'm going to ask for references because that's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're here to do. All right, so we were actually joined by one more person, uh, Mr. Eric Snyder, CT Chief Technology Officer. Is that your official title there, Mr. Snyder? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, CTO, then, of, of, of uh, CTI, which just sounds weird, uh, Conference Technologies in St. Louis. Um, 
I'll ask you: Is 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 having a, an apex or or a, a certification like that? Let's not pick on apex. Josh mentioned a, a PMP. He mentioned CTS. You guys have several CTS, CTSDs. Um, you have certifications on your programmer side from from different organizations. You have certifications from your DSP side from several different companies. Are those certifications valuable? Oh, man, that's a good question. Right now, there's an industry trend of having an alphabet suit behind your name right now, right? I actually like on LinkedIn. I used to put them all there, and it's just getting kind of ridiculous, right? The question is a great question for Josh and the other guys in the group, too, is that you can write all these beautiful things into your spec, and are people going to follow them? Are they going to hold them to that, right? And I've not found that if someone doesn't really have this, are they disqualified? And I haven't seen people actually hold that up. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Now, with the apex on that, um, I like where Whitlock went. Oh, I think Whitlock was really in charge of that particular steering committee. I kind of like where they went with the AV checklist and all that. But then the question is, is I think some integrators are going to get nervous about that, the questionnaire that's going to come around for companies once a year and how that information is going to be used. And actually, I think that's valuable feedback for a company. It's actually going, it, it's like it's a half program instead of a full program. Does that make sense? So the thing is, it's like you're trying to solve multiple things with that one certification. And is it a marketing gimmick or does it truly, are the results really there from the company? And I don't know that info. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, Harry, any, anything to, to add to it now that these other two gentlemen have, have jumped on? <laughs> Yay, I don't have to talk for half an hour by myself. <laughs> um <clears throat> The uh, now it just I, I kind of agree that it is a, it is a little bit half done. It, uh, it we need more enforcement of standards at, overall as a as a general rule in AV we need more enforcement of standards and this is a step in the right direction but it needs there needs to be more. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Now that we've talked enough about, um, I don't know, purchases and um, holding companies and um, stockholders. But last one here uh, before I let everybody go. Um, Kingswood. Uh, hang on real quick. Let, let's get the, for those who are watching the video, Kingswood Capital Management is acquiring AVAD. Uh, Kingswood Capital Management, quote unquote, an operational focused middle market private equity investment firm via its controlled affiliate has acquired AVAD LLC, including its wholly owned subsidiary, AVAD uh, Canada Limited. Interesting story about this one real quick. Um, when it was put out uh, on Twitter and other Facebook and, and, and social media, um, the comment that I saw was, AVAD is finally free. It's independent again. Well, not exactly. Um it's owned by a company of, of, uh, of another holding company, right? Another another fund. Um, one thing about that, though, um, you've got uh, two folks, one person who used to work for the Harmon Consumer Group, another one that used to was the director of the Clips Group, um, heading it up. So you've got Fred Farrar and um, uh, Tom Jacoby, um, who is the – Tom is the, the CEO, and uh, Fred is the new president of AVAD. So you've got two folks that are actually that, that have been in the business for a long time. Um, they've got some some pretty good industry chops. They've they've got a good shot of, of taking AVAD a little bit uh, a little bit farther than what they had. Um, Josh, when it comes to 
AVET specifically, and then just talk about holding companies and, and in these investment firms in general. What do we think? Where where are these investment firms coming from, and where they they where do they think they're going to take these companies? Uh, well, here's the thing: is the hot commodity, of course, these days for a lot of people to to purchase are tech firms. They they want to have investment in tech firms. They want to see the big boon. Um, there have been a lot of studies done in the in the industry, specifically by Infocom, a few years back, as to the direction that the AV industry is going, and they're continuing to do those. And it's where those studies, it's what those studies are being used for externally. So, I, I know of an instance that I can't speak specifically on as to who got it, who gave it, who wrote it, and all of those wondrousness things because of those glorious three letters called NDA. Um, but I know that people have taken the information about the direction of the industry, and I know that they've provided them to financial institutions, and those financial institutions have then taken them and use them for their own internal purposes about how to dictate what they're going to build and how they're going to build it and what they're going to do with it. And once you put that kind of money about the direction that the AV industry is going and the direction that the investment firms uh, and, and or the direction the AV industry is going in terms of money and in terms of capabilities, once you put that in the hands of people that are constantly focusing on how to make more money and how to grow their profits and how to invest dollars, not only for their own sake, but for their investor, for their, for the people that they service, once you take that and start putting it out into the public, they are looking at these documents and going, well, the AV industry has a lot of potential. There's this, there's that. Um, we see this investment in its, you know, everybody hated talking about convergence. But in our world, while we've been talking about it and doing it for 10 years at this point, the knowledge as to where the money is and how it can be invested and how it can be grown and how it can be utilized to expand services hasn't necessarily existed outside of our small bubble. And so we're starting to see an effect of reporting that has been going on for the last five to seven years, reaching the people with the with the ability to start investing in these companies and expanding and saying, there's an opportunity here. We want to take advantage of it because this is an emerging market that lived under the radar. We always talk about how we're the last company in on any pro we're last group in on any project. You know, AV is always the last in. Oh, everybody forgets about AV. We have to deal with everybody's. Everybody else makes their decisions, and then AV just sort of gets thrown on a wall. We always make these jokes, but it's kind of the same thing for investment is we've been living under the radar of, oh, yeah, that's just that thing that we use when we want to call our, our group across the – when we want to call our office across the ocean, when we want to, when we want to call our office over uh, – you know across in New York from San Francisco. These are the things that we have always been relegated to, and now we're at a point where people are starting to take notice because we're doing – we, we – uh, telecommunications is no longer just a phone call. Telecommunications is now the AV industry, and they're seeing this growth opportunity, and they're seeing the investment that they can make in order to have their profits rise. So they're starting to recognize the value in it because it's been monetized for them in a way that they understand it, uh, and they're going to continue that investment. And we've seen that drastic money shift come in, especially in the last year. Mm -hmm. Look at the sheer number of VCs that we hear mentioned um, between Polycom this morning dropping off of the Mitel deal and now going in with a VC. We have uh, we have this distributor going in with a VC. We had other manufacturers getting invested in with, with VCs. We had AVISPL getting pushed over to a new VC. Yep. I mean, we, that is integrator, manufacturer, distributor, all three right off the bat that are all now have VC investment. And that's just this year. That's 2016. So 
you see there's there, there's this investment and there's this growth opportunity and it's finally reached it's sort of like we're breaking out of our shell and, and entering into a different world in terms of how people look at us well and i, I want to bring in eric on, on that note on the avispl note is you know manufacturing i kind of get distributed that one was kind of interesting right the the avad deal was, was interesting as the fact that that every distributor I've talked to has has told told me that that the distributor business is is a rough business, right? Because you're working on on margin. That's it. Um, but Eric, as far as AVISPL and um, you know, yes, they're they're the big kahuna. They're they are the the, the biggest. Um, I believe they're, they're still the biggest uh, integrator in the, in the states. Them being picked up by by a VC, them being picked up by an investment firm. What does that mean, and what does that say to folks, you know, either small mom-and-pop organizations who might have one office or guys like you who have, you know, 15, 16 offices? What does that say to you guys as far as both your viability and and maybe your future uh, coming down the road? Um, Not to give away too many secrets, but we say go for it. Uh, What we found with the companies that get the value – so there's short-term and long-term profits, right? There's good profits and bad profits, right? When you have now guys that could possibly take over your company and make short-term decisions for you, the AV industry is kind of a, a weird bird, right? We don't get paid 90 days. Cash flow can be a little challenging in our industry compared to the other commodities, right? The one thing that they – it looks like, this example you're giving me, they're doing some things right from what we've seen, is that what you want to do is grab the entire team because your office literally is nothing. What do you do? It is nothing but the talent of what you're creating for the value for it, right? Unless you're going to get to a little bit of a different category, which is just the guys that are going to go put the all-in-one boxes in. Does that make sense? Yep. So the need here, I think the industry is coming a little bit out of its cottage stage, and you got a lot of um, crossover now. It's not really uh, AV versus IT. I mean, that's been happening for years, and it's getting kind of old people talking about convergence on that, right? We've been doing that, right? It's about the best approach of making the solution work for the for the particular situation, right? And so I think I've seen a lot of other ones out there. I know, I know where you were going on some of those, Josh, that they're looking for a skill set because there's a lot of need – into some things that aren't fixing within the box solution. Does that make sense? And they need consistency and reliability, and it could work. I think that the, the venture capital is going to work on a, on a group, a team, on a company that keeps together. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if you don't have that, then it's going to fall apart. And uh, for us, we are finding right now being more flexible than the giants out there is really playing to our advantage at the moment. And if you have that uh, strong arm over on top of you and you lose that flexibility, well, I hope I'm competing against you right now. <laughs> All right, Harry, from, from your standpoint, um, you know, who, I, I guess this is probably an unfair question, but who do you want to work for? Do you want to work for... Um, <laughs> do you want to work for a, a... Someone who pays me. Yes, an integrator that is part of you know a small ownership team or do you want to work for a VC company or or stock holders for that matter um i okay so of the 3 i probably actually would go least on the straight up stock 
just because decisions tend to get made that don't necessarily may not necessarily be the best ones in the long term, but they but they make sure that the stock price keeps up. Okay. So it's valid. That that makes me a little bit worried. Um, I like small ownership group. I can actually talk ownership group that uh, um, because it's a smaller group of people that you're accountable to and that you know exactly what's going on. I haven't dealt in the VC side very much, so I don't really have opinion. Uh, any any uh, any real opinion on that. Um, my only other real comment is, okay, guys, convergence is over. Yeah, It's done. We've done it already. And we can stop talking about it now because welcome VCs. This is what Silicon Valley has been doing for however many years. Okay. Silicon Valley lives in VCs. Now AV is a part of IT. AV now lives with VCs. So Silicon AV Valley has VC since when? Oh, Whatever, Valley Boy. I just drove up from there this morning, hence why I was late. <laughs> Apparently traffic is very bad in San Jose, so... All right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, we, we're, it's, convergence has happened. It's done. Uh, but it's a very good point in the fact that it's happened. And so now suddenly venture capitalists, people who live and breathe the money side of, of the IT industry and have for years are suddenly starting to pay, pay attention to, you know, little old AV companies and, and little old AV, AV industry. So, all right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, Mr. Harry Mead, I'll give you the, the first shot at this. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. How can people find you? Well, um, currently spending my days under the Second Street overpass on uh, in Maryland. In Maryland, um, with my sign. Um, on Twitter at AV Grump, I've been a little silent recently because I'm looking for a job and I don't spout crap on social media when I'm looking for a job because I'm not dumb. Well, there's that. And uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, AV at AV Grump um, on Twitter. Um, if you're interested and you're relatively local to me, harry.l.mead at gmail.com, I'd love to talk to you about a design engineering job. Yep. Very good. No, and, and Harry has a CTSD. Has for five years now. And the only reason I know that is that Harry and I took ours at the exact same moment at Infocom five years ago, and I do not have a CTSD. So just want to put that out there. Mr. Strago. Well, I, rely on, I huh? rely on Tim to tell me how long I've had my CTSD. Exactly, because I know exactly when I failed it. So, <laughs> Mr. Strago, thank you, sir. You're welcome. I'm happy to be on. I'm sorry I was late. That that day job thing gets in the way it for does. some of us. It does. So how do people find you, Smart Alec? Oh, if you can get a hold of me at this point in time, I wish you well. Um, Twitter is usually the best way, uh, at J-S-R-A-G-O. Also the same handle on Snapchat, J-S-R-A-G-O. I do accept Snapchat invitations now. Um, 
email josh at avnation.tv. Uh, I'm always reading, always looking for new writers. So if you have a voice and you want to share it with the industry, please, by all means, reach out to me, uh, josh at avnation.tv, which now that I'm thinking about it, I'm not sure I've checked that email today. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, but of course, you can also find me on LinkedIn, and then uh, you can find my uh, the company that I work for, uh, TCOM, at TEE. Com. We are a uh, now an international um, consulting firm uh, with offices in the UK, uh, San Francisco, and in Portland um, here in the US. Very so cool. we've got a lot going on. And for those of you looking for work, we are hiring. We are looking for telecom engineers. We're looking for AV engineers. Um, I know Harry is in DC, and I've I would love to get him over here, but that means he has to move, and I don't think he wants to come to the Bay Area, unfortunately, as much as he, he loves me. He moved to London. You had you said you have an office in London. We do, we do. Um, so there's all sorts of things uh, like that. But yeah, if if anybody has an interest in seeing what TCOM does and what we do, check out our website. We've got a uh, we've got a great group here. It really is, and we're we're one of we're, we're thriving right now. So. Yeah. When when Josh is doing a job right now that that I know about and I don't know how much he can talk about it, so I'm not going to ask him. But when it does get done and it, and you can talk about it, I want to I want to take some pictures because it, it's going to be freaking sweet. So uh, the things I can tell you about that project without naming it um, specifically are we're doing a couple of innovative things, but one of the ones that I find most interesting uh, and the one that every everybody that I've talked to about this project, which uh, uh, is going to go sometime in the next year. Um, we'll, be, we'll actually be closed within the next year. Um, we're doing laser camera tracking for lecture capture. Yeah, that's the one where everybody kind of goes, "Ooh, yeah. uh, that that's and that's one of the things that's unique to this project that gets us excited." So I look forward to sharing that story and and as it goes public and gets out there. But we're not quite there yet. So look for that coming out. And he's going to have a ginormous video wall. So just going to put that out there too. So, all right, Mr. Snyder, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. No worries, my friend. Sorry for being late. That's all right. You and you and Josh are in the same boat. Uh, how do people find you and or Conference Technologies? Sure, you can find us at the website at conferencetech.com. Uh, see a lot of the TeamWorks work, uh, work there, and then uh, I'm always available on LinkedIn. Uh, anyone who wants to hit me up can hit me on LinkedIn. I'd be more than happy to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Good guy, good guy to know. Very smart, probably one of the smartest uh, engineers that I know. So, um, also, uh, if you uh, you can follow me if you want. Actually, don't follow me on on Twitter, but you can go by the website avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You'll find this program, a host of others, uh, a host of new hosts. I've been saying that for a while, just because they're they're slowly coming together. Uh, a brand new host for Resi Week, a uh, young man by the name of Matt Scott is taking that over. He does that typically on Mondays. Um, that rolls out on Wednesdays. Uh, also, a new state of control host in, in one, Mr. Steve Greenblatt, uh, owner of Control Concepts, and a new ed tech, which will come out in the next couple of weeks um, by an actual technology manager still, uh, Bill O'Donnell. So, all that and more. Mr. Schrago is always looking for writers, so you can find that information on how to get a hold of him, how to get a hold of us at avnation.tv. Avnation.tv, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for watching. This has been AV Week. Oh, my God.